The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of HTM Tech, brought to you by the HTM Podcast Network, also in association with Microplay in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching at the HTM Tech Pod. To listen to the podcast, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all those other podcatchers out there as well. As always, I am Big Joe. And I'm Mike, also known as Money, also known as Gunstar Hero. <laughs> Got to be here. <laughs> Raz, your friend just call you Money. Yes. Um, <laughs> so another week has come and gone in the world of technology, Mike, and an interesting one to kick things off with. Um, I didn't even know 5G was necessarily quite on the go yet, and we're already talking about 6G. What's going on with this madness? Yeah, so it's as if uh, we're almost like skipping. Well, not really a skipping a step because essentially what's happening now is that 5G <laughs> is starting to roll out across the United States now in major cities like Pittsburgh and Washington, I believe, and a few others. I know it's in California. It's already officially rolled out in uh, South Korea mm-hmm. and China. And because that's basically in place now, China is already thinking forward and have already announced that they're working on 6G technology, which is quite a ways off. We're, we're not talking about commercial adoption until about 2030, yeah. but it's definitely something that's already in the works that people are thinking about. And even President Trump tweeted out, infamously that he not only wants 5g but 6g supremacy in the united states yeah there's been some stuff going on just just briefly on on trump and technology because uh, recently he was at the uh this thing with uh an apple factory in in the u.s and i think he was under the impression that that was like a factory that was that had just been built you know it's already been there for a little while and now with this uh, him thinking a little too, maybe a little too far ahead with 6G. I don't know. Maybe uh, Trump's going to start maybe listening to some more technology podcasts. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, 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 granted that he uh, got a few jobs back to the U.S., which which is great. Yeah, but, it's a good uh, thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just try to try to rein in Apple and keep them keep them behaved. <laughs> well, we'll get to them a little bit more too. But uh, with, with, oh, this, yeah, uh, with the 6G, it's I'm surprised to be hearing it already because 5G isn't really a thing yet here, especially in North America. So I was really surprised to hear about it. But it is going to be a thing. It's going to whether we like it or not. I mean, it's it's already here in my town in London, Ontario. It's it's here. Uh, we were already mm-hmm. starting to put up the receivers. The handsets are on their way. I know that uh, quite a few. Uh, cell phone producers are already starting to unveil their 5G-enabled headsets. So we've touched upon 5G in the last couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are, what are your thoughts, Joe, about this whole new 5G revolution? What I'm interested about it, and this is something you've uh, brought up on previous episodes of uh, your own podcast, uh, uh, London Rising, about the possible health concerns about uh, this high uh, signal here. Now, has there been any progress in the research, everything done behind us, to see if it's even safe for the populace yet? I'd say it's too soon to tell. Uh, already, the World Health, or, as I mentioned, the World Health Organization, the CDC are already warning about the potential cancerous radiation side effects of electromagnetic frequency waves. We're we're so new into cell phone technology that we don't even know what the long term effects of 4G are at this point. And it was funny. Um, I so I actually watched a roundtable on Infowars uh, one night where they brought in a 5G cell phone technician who installs these these uh these towers Mm -hmm. and they also brought in um an engineer out of the uk who's familiar with uh particle beams and and whatnot and the radiation and then mike uh, adams who runs natural news and brighteon.com who's uh very familiar with um he, he brought about some really good points about how naturally in terms of our diet uh like for example what radiation does to our cell structure and how we could potentially fight back about this so kind of going to the guy who installs the 5g towers okay so there there was a lot of information and if i if i get something wrong you you guys can correct us or we can provide articles that'll clarify everything i'm not a scientist so i'm gonna try to remember it the best i can i believe what it is it's millimeter waves that it emits and because these 
waves are so high frequency and so condensed in terms of power, they require the cell phone towers to be much closer together than they've ever been. And I did mention this before, where 5G is going to require these pizza box sized cell phone towers to be on every street corner and in some cases right in your backyard. I've even seen that with some newer uh, wireless routers when it comes to, to home uh, networking. Now that we have some of these have a, of a higher signal too. And there, one thing I've noticed with that is the, the effective range of it is pretty short. So the signal is very strong, but over a much shorter range. So it does make you kind of wonder, like, hey, if I'm getting really close to this thing, just how strong and how dangerous could this uh, signal possibly be just to my body? Of course, because there's a there's a great I I'd have to find the title of the video, but you can look it up like uh, 5G is killing the bees. Like look it up on mm -hmm. YouTube and this guy in California, what yeah. they're doing is they're actually hiding some of these towers in fake palm trees. Right. So they don't uh, upset the, the visual landscape. And he films it right there. There's dead bees on the ground all around the cell phone tower. And we mm -hmm. already know that there's effects on wildlife. Yeah. Like I said, with with some of the research coming out of the World Health Organization saying there's a potential for cancer side effects, when when we're bringing these cell phone towers closer and closer together, and these are surrounding us on every block, that that's my concern here. That yeah. it's just kind of like this this blanket of radiation that's that's covering us in in the major cities. And, and I mean, speed wise, I, I mean. I don't know about the majority of people out there, what kind of signal they get. I mean, uh, I get an LTE signal you know, when I'm not at home on my home wireless network. And I got to say, LTE, it, it, it's, it's, it's already fast enough. I'm like, how much faster do we need to kind of keep going? Uh, it, it's uh, to make a reference, like it's like Apple getting like uh, thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner devices. It's like, okay, at some point, you know, we're thin enough. We don't need to keep going any further. It's thin enough. You know, this phone, uh, the phone that, that you have, they're thin. They don't need to be any thinner. The speeds, they're fast enough, honestly. I don't think that we need to keep ramping up and ramping up and ramping up because the, the technology is just going to be able to even catch up. 100%. And, and you know what? That's the thing. The way they're going to sell this to the public is, yeah, you're going to be able to download the uh, a hundred movies in a second. Actually, that's the way six G is being sold right now from the Chinese. Like, oh, you can download a hundred movies in a second. Blah blah. Like, who who needs that? Yeah. Really, really. But at the end of the day, Joe, what five G is really about is number one, self-driving cars hmm. and automation and remote medical procedures. Number two, surveillance. And we can see this, you know, in, in China, for example, they have the facial recognition cameras all across the country. They have all these surveillance tools and it's 5G that's going to uh, make this more powerful. That engineer that was on that Infowars roundtable said, you think that they can see a lot now? That like, Because we talked about how Edward Snowden was on Joe Rogan recently yeah, and yeah. talked about how everybody's guilty of this. Apple, uh, Google, they're all guilty uh, of knowing everything about you. Well, with 5G now, they're going to know when you move your couch. <laughs> yeah. This is military weapon technology. This These beams can, are designed yeah. to pass through stone yeah. and brick. So imagine what it's doing to your body. Man, man. And, and it, along with this, and, and this is something I think that you've brought up uh, uh, previously on, uh, again, on your podcast, is uh, along with that stronger signal, this girl could lead to the scenario that people have been talking about where you could basically have just wireless charging. Basically, your whole entire room, you would just have some kind of receiver or something there emitting a signal. And as soon as you walk in your room, your devices are wirelessly charging. Like, how <laughs> freaking strong does that signal need to be? You just pull your house? phone out of your pocket and woo, yeah. there it is. I, I mean, like that, that's kind of scary, to I be mean, honest. I mean, the, the, the tech nerd in me is like, oh, that's really, really cool. But then to, to kind of, and then you realize, oh, maybe, the, you know, the, the health risks maybe override the coolness factor on this, you know, because, I mean, it's just as easy for me to, to set my phone on this little puppy that's plugged in and kind of do the same thing and not have to worry about these things just coursing through my body. And we mentioned this before. I mean, most of us carry our phones in our pockets. Guys usually in their right pocket. Yep. Women typically, I find, tend to carry them in their back <clears throat> butt pocket. Yes. Regardless, it's right next to or you. And, and what they're also, it's not only just cancer, Joe, it's also connected to infertility in women. And yeah. it's, and they're, they're starting to find evidence that this may be connected to ball shrinking in men, too. So, <laughs> hey. You know, there's another, if, if you need to cut down on population, there's a great way to get people to stop having sex. That's for sure. For sure. So, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I think going from that, uh, I think I'll kind of bump up a, a topic. And this is something that actually kind of developed uh, fairly recently, and I introduced it on the run here to probably just a couple days ago. This is Apple and vaping apps. This is something that uh, is an interesting topic because on a, on a couple fronts here, them pulling these uh, vaping apps from the App Store, they, they seem to, and I'm as, as pro-Apple as you can possibly kind of get. I own a lot of their devices and I think they, they do some really good things. But this, I, I think that they, they think that they're doing more good than they are because pulling all of these apps, you know, isn't going to stop... Uh, some of these people from from still vaping, um, they're just not going to have some of these kind of features. Now, some of these apps do have some cool features because it actually connects to the device via Bluetooth and lets you know kind of what's going on with the device and whatnot. But along with this too, of course, there's the health concerns, especially with people who weren't a smoker before, because this is uh, you know very popularly known as as a, vaping as a, a help an aid to quit smoking. Like even uh, my, my friend uh, Carl, who's a co-host on Turnbuckle Dog, you know, he's a vapor after years and years of smoking, so it's helped him quit. But what's happening is some of these kids are just getting really into vaping, and that's maybe not necessarily a good thing. And there's been some deaths uh, recently surrounding vaping as well. 40 plus. 42, uh, About yeah. 2,000 related lung-related illnesses. Um, I yeah. believe what it was, it was the vitamin E acetate. That's yeah. the cause of this. And there was 40 plus confirmed deaths, which caused a lot of alarm. And, we we kind of touched upon this with Trump and Apple. Yeah. yeah. As soon as because uh, I don't know if you realize, but Trump recently met. Uh, I think it was like either yesterday or the day before. With uh, he had a roundtable in the White House with uh, with health advocates, big tobacco, and the vape producers to mm. find out what's going to go on. Because about two months ago, at Melania's urging, Trump's wife, the uh, first lady, she expressed great concern about the kids. Essentially, the stats are this, uh, according to Mitt Romney who was also at that meeting that over 60% of kids pulled that have tried flavored vapes. And, th- and let's get this straight. This is about flavored vapes. The white house was considering a ban on flavored vapes only about two months ago, mm-hmm. because about over 62% of kids pulled said that they didn't realize they were consuming nicotine. They thought they were just getting some kind of candy flavored vaping substance. And it was something cool to do, not realizing they were getting hooked on this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And that makes me wonder. So you mentioned, I don't know a lot about vaping. I've, never really done it i do i am a smoker yeah which is technically worse yeah. but when you tell me that it's a way to quit smoking you got to tell me because you know more about this but yet it contains nicotine i I'm, I'm trying to understand is it is it a way to wean yourself off of nicotine correct because and you can vary the the amounts when you when you get the the fluid it, it, it you can go from a fairly a, a relatively high nicotine um uh, concentration similar to what a cigarette would be and then there's different levels all the way down to none at all so you can get some of this um uh, liquid that doesn't have any nicotine or, you know as well and then of course for pot smokers that's it actually most of these deaths and illnesses yep. were linked to pot smokers over 60 percent had thc in the pens whereas like a smaller minority had actual nicotine in it right and i could see where pot smokers you know who don't smoke cigarettes they want to get away from the whole idea of burning something putting your lungs and it's overall to a healthier thing but um, with this, so yeah, they, essentially what will happen is if Trump decides to go through this ban, there's been talk that he's looking to pull back now. Mm-hmm. It might have something to do with big business and, and like, you know, complaining about their bottom line. Whereas yeah. I think with Apple getting rid of the, the app store, this is more of an optics thing, Joe. I don't think yeah. this is, has anything to do with addressing public safety. And like you mentioned, and Leo Laporte, we both saw the same video when he was talking about this on right. Twitter. Um, he also mentioned this is a big disservice to people because uh, not only you mentioned it's a, it's a way for you to warm up your pen, change mm-hmm. the lighting, but it's also a way in some cases to actually check on the quality of what you're ingesting. Right. And especially with with like uh, black market stuff, and I, and I think this is where it's coming down to. It's like the black market vape pens <laughs> are the ones that are causing the damage. Yeah. Well, regardless, you're right. I mean, it's not going to stop people from using them. It's just going to make it much more inconvenient and possibly even less safe. And, and kind of go along with uh, what you had briefly brought up earlier too. When I because uh, before I do a lot of episodes, even of this and on Turnbuckle Talk, I usually send the head of our network, Michael Jargo, the run, and it usually kind of gives me a little bit of feedback. Well, when he saw the vaping topic, he uh, he brought up a, a stat because he's very much a numbers guy. He does a lot of research and he knows stats about a lot of stuff. A tobacco stat in the in uh, I don't know about Canada, but this is a stat from coming out of the U.S. in 2018. The United States collected 12.8 billion dollars in tobacco tax revenue. That is huge. Money talks, Joe. Whether it's Correct. this 
whether it's going back to 5G we're just talking about right now. And, I, and, and to put that in perspective, what you're talking about right now with big money and the whole idea of the Trump administration possibly dialing back this ban and, and whatever, money talks, Joe, that's a thing, right? And look at big tobacco in the past. What were they famous for doing? For trying to convince the public yes. that smoking did not cause cancer. That was the whole, uh, there was that movie, uh, Thank yeah. You for Not Smoking, that whole, chronicled that whole period in advertising where they tried to yeah. influence the public via propaganda. And I'm telling you right now, same thing's going to happen with 5G. Yeah. Right now, they're going to try to tell you that it's safe, that it's harmless, that it's been tested, all this kind of stuff, because yeah. there's big money behind this, Joe. And sorry, not to kind of jump back and forth, but this definitely ties in. Yeah. I have a friend who works in the telecommunications industry. And we kind of had a moment when we were talking about 5G on the weekend, because this is what this person does for a living. She said to me, 5G is here in your town whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, then I'll be at city hall protesting it. And she's like, well, good luck. There's a lot of money behind this. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like, it's uh, it's, it's here. And, and, and I, you know me, like I, I don't like that defeatist attitude, but at the same time, Joe, it's good. It's going to take a lot of pushback and your average person, Joe, are they really going to forego all this technology because of potential health concerns. I know I'm concerned, you're yeah. concerned, but I don't think the average general public really cares. No, that, that seems to be the consensus. And I'm glad that we, you know, we have this platform to kind of make people aware of it and, yeah. uh, you know, at least, uh, you know, get some knowledge about, uh, there about it. Because now, here's the thing too, just to add one more thing before we move on six G we mentioned mm -hmm. with every generation, the beams get smaller smaller, more, intense. more concentrated, yeah. which means uh, the antennas or the towers have to get closer and closer and closer together. So at some point, once we get to 6, 7G, you're literally going to have these towers probably in your living room. And <laughs> at that point, are we even going to be living anymore? Is it just going to be a technocracy? Yeah. Like I said, anyway. I'm happy with LTE speeds. Me too. Which uh, I th honestly, I thought that that was when that first came out. I thought that that was 5G, and they were just calling it LTE. 4.5. But uh, yeah, it's like a, a 0.5. Okay, so but like I said, with the whole self-driving car interests, uh, it's going to be a hard pushback on this. For one, sure, though. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Now, going from that to to a little bit more Apple stuff here, and this is kind of an interesting one because uh, it's another kind of twofold thing. It has to do with a, a Apple Prime a subscription. This is another topic that you made me aware of, and they've kind of laid some groundwork with this. And it's basically it's looking like it it's uh, going to be around the uh, the iPhones, and basically you're going to be almost kind of it's almost like a I mean not renting it is maybe the proper term, but basically you're going to be paying for your device and it'll be kind of subsidized and then you can do like an early trade-up thing and it won't be as, as such of an impact on uh, yourself money-wise. But I think what's more interesting about this is a subscription that includes Apple Music, includes Apple TV+, Plus, which includes uh, Apple Arcade, uh, Apple News, uh, which is a very popular platform. That's another one they launched recently that uh, does very, very well. And is, uh, it's a curated um, uh, news platform based upon what you're interested in, and they tailor it to that. It would be really cool to, to have this all just kind of bundled once instead of paying a whole bunch of subscriptions. Yeah, because uh, what was it though? If we talk about numbers here, right now, and this is in U.S. dollars, mm -hmm. uh, ten bucks a month for Apple Music, five bucks a month for TV Plus, yep. ten bucks a month for News Plus, which I think is ridiculous um, yep. for what you get, yep. uh, considering you can get other cure, uh, aggregators for free. But anyway, yep. uh, Arcade is five bucks a month. That's thirty U.S. a month. That's about forty Canadian a month. That's just a subscription. My question is, what happens when you add the phone plan to this? On top of that. I'm pretty sure they're going to find some way to kind of bundle this all together. But what you're saying, Joe, is 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 renting. That's 100% how I see this. You're not really technically going to own your own device anymore. You're just going to pay yeah. a monthly fee. Uh, but, I mean, of course, you do. Like you said, you get the upgrade features. Um, it's easy to get the newest handset. Yeah. And to be honest, Joe, at this point, I don't feel like I own my phone anyway because I'm upgrading it every 18 months. I don't yeah. care about owning a phone anymore because yeah. it's it's not like buying a video game console or a computer where you're going to use it for the next several years. Yeah. This is like under two years. So you know what? I don't even care. I don't even feel like I own it anyway. I yeah. might as well just rent it and, and, and hopefully they can get this package 
under 30 us to actually make sense because I, I did an early upgrade on my phone because what, what what happened uh, working my day job um i, I brought my phone i had a the, the iphone 10 just the regular the 10 i had brought it to work and it happened to be a day where i just decided stupidly to not put a case my case on my phone and had it in my pocket and i took it on rested on something and then it fell and landed on concrete uh face down now luckily I got very, very lucky, and it didn't, you know, it didn't crack. It didn't even scratch, and I, I just, I realized, I came to this realization that hey, maybe now, uh, with this close call, maybe now that is the time of trading at the maximum value for it. And uh, but the thing is with, with that trade, and what's tricky with some providers is that they give you cash for that, but then you can actually apply it to that and it's just it's 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 kind of a weird thing so i'm hoping that something like this can help maybe facilitate that so that if you do decide to do an early upgrade or if you're forced into it uh, due to you breaking your device or something like that that it won't be so painful money wise because <laughs> it's expensive it is yeah. this is something new either and the whole apple prime thing right now that's nothing official that's just a nickname that investors have given it to kind of uh, piggyback off the Amazon Prime, which is very similar to this. Yep. This is nothing new. This has been in the works since like 2015, right? Like when they actually right. started letting people pay for their iPhone on a monthly basis. And I think the way you'll know better than I do, right? What is it? Uh, you can upgrade to the newest model after 12 months. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, so I, I I think that's a win. I, I think it totally makes sense. Uh, what? Where these, these new phones are like a thousand bucks now, right? Um, Correct, yeah. <laughs> why? It's more than a computer. It's more than a video game console, and you own it for less time. Um, and also, I noticed one more thing, too, that they just announced in conjunction with this as well, that there's going to have a new program. Uh, what did it say? That users of the – this will be in the States only, but the users of Goldman Sachs Apple Card will have interest-free for 24 months on iPhone purchases. So yeah. that will be a nice uh, – another way to incentivize this. And, wow, this is going to make some stiff competition for, for, for Samsung and all these other providers. So they're going to have to start figuring out something. And I don't know if that's possible, Joe, be, yeah. if they can – do something like this. I don't know. And you had mentioned uh, something interesting too with the the Apple uh, Card. Uh, you know, just very recently this past year, Apple made a very aggressive move uh, into the financial business. Essentially, now this is hasn't happened in Canada yet, but uh, it's something that I think we could possibly see with time. Um, you know, it's a, things are a little bit different here in Canada as opposed to the states when it comes to that. But I, I could very well see it uh, coming, and it's. Uh, Again, it's another one of these things where it, it, it's a cool, it's an interesting idea, but at the same time, you know, do I want to hand even more control over to this company and, and whatnot, right? Uh, like, like I said, I, I'm as Apple fanboy as you could possibly get, and even me, it's kind of like, I don't know about this one. You're not a cult member. Yeah, no. At the end of the day, you're still an informed consumer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a no-brainer because Amazon's also talking about getting into finance. Yeah. Being somebody who works in the finance industry, um, I will say that I'm skeptical about this whole digital future because especially, oh man, this month now with all the scams going on right yes, now, yeah. when you partner up with these virtual banks and you're doing everything online, oh, it's hard to get hold. It's hard to get help, Joe. It's very hard. At the end of the day, the brick and mortar banks are where you can actually go. Yeah, to get something investigated, to get a human being in the mix to, to fix something. When you're just leaving everything yeah. to Apple, to Amazon online, yeah, you better be damn safe and have a really good security set up on your computer. Um, sorry to keep going long here, but you did mention finances. There yeah. is a potential negative side to this whole thing of the monthly subscription, and this was mentioned that this could definitely impact musicians. What do you think about that? Sure. Well, I mean, the... The way that music is consumed now has been impacting musicians for years. It, the, the, the whole business model for bands has completely changed. You know, bands don't make money off of albums anymore. Uh, no, 100%. It's off of, um, I would say, mainly merchandise and touring. Now they make the, the bulk of their, um, their revenue from. So uh, that is, that's a market that's completely changed due to the, uh, you know, the introduction of iTunes, which, is, uh, which was the big uh, shift in the whole music industry uh, right after the afterfall of, uh, or the, the fallout of the Napster stuff. So. Yeah, there's really not much they can say. I mean, at the end of the day, the consumers have spoken. They want to pay less for their music. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's not all bad. I mean, like, again, under the Trump administration, I know he made some new bill that would allow um, musicians to receive enhanced royalties off their music. But mm -hmm. like I said, Joe, you made a great point. It's a new era. And... The smart musicians are the ones who are doing the heavy touring, right. selling the merch, 
selling the vinyl records at the shows and, and working or working around the state of affairs. Yeah, for sure. Now, you had mentioned uh, some more of the financial stuff, and I wanted to bring up something you had mentioned with a lot of the stuff kind of being handled more kind of digitally and away from brick and mortar places. Uh, recently, I would say probably what about five or six months ago when I purchased my new TV, it came with a free month of Apple or not Apple Amazon Prime Video, and so. What was interesting with it, what happened with that is when that elapsed, they took the first payment, even though I had can't, I, I did the month and then probably a day or two before I canceled the subscription, but they still went in and took money for the following month. And then, oh, you want to try contacting Amazon and actually talking to a person? It is very difficult. And it took about three or four people to actually get somebody that could just basically flip a switch and be, okay, we're going to refund you. Because everybody else was like, we don't know what you're talking about. We can't do this, blah, 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 blah. You know, yeah, no, I know that you can. You just, you're, you're being a pain in the ass, <laughs> you know, but just the, the, the whole thing. And I, I think what, what this really kind of exposes is I think that they're just expecting people to just kind of forget about this stuff. And then it just, they just start taking money from me. And then by the time three or four months have gone by, you don't know what happened. <laughs> Which happens all the time. I see it every day. My, yeah. my job working in the finance industry, yeah. uh, like for me, I'm very anal. I check my balance every day on my phone, but there's a lot of people who are constantly coming to us for investigations. And luckily they got somebody like me who's a human being who can <laughs> interface with the call centers, yes. who can do some investigative work. But then for every one of those, there's 10 others who, oh, I don't pay any fees on my checking account. But yeah, what happens when fraud happens? Good luck. Have mm -hmm. fun with that. <laughs> You'll be pulling your hair out and coming back to us very soon. So For sure. Yeah. All right, Mike. As, as we mentioned, uh, you and I are gamers. We used to do gaming on uh, YouTube with the Joystick Justice League. Let's get Ooh, to we our gaming topic of this week. And this is a very interesting one because for mm -hmm. I don't know for how many years now, we have been waiting for Half-Life 3. Um, Over 10. Yes, uh, Half-Life 2, it, it's it's difficult to find now. Uh, I'm not sure on the PlayStation platform, but to get it um, digitally on the uh, the Xbox marketplace, it's almost impossible. I don't think uh, really? you know, the orange box is even available, and I'm not huh. sure if it's backwards compatible if you buy a physical version. So um, I don't know if it's something I can actually play, and it's something that, that I've, I've kind of got interested in. And what I'm kind of all getting at here is Valve did announce something new to do with Half-Life. But wow. not really yeah, what I was but. expecting. There's a there, yes. Um, it's called Half-Life Alex, and this is a VR title. Now... I don't know about you when it comes to VR, but I thought we had already almost essentially kind of checked out when it came to VR. And apparently not. No, this was uh, this was a fly in the ointment. Yeah. I'll tell you, Joe, I'm I'm one of the biggest VR commercials out there. I, I think that it's a novelty currently in the yeah. state it is. I, and I get that it's it's starting to have legs. You yeah. know, PlayStation VR has definitely proven sure. that there's an audience out there yeah. and it's got the largest market share right now, and there's there's some pretty cool i've tried a little bit of it i played the call of duty outer space game where mm -hmm. you kind of sit in a cockpit and you you shoot at stuff and it was a cool experience but i i <clears throat> i can only handle it for so long being in that enclosed space yep. and especially think about it i'm in a very non-kinetic experience I, I actually when you start getting into like heavy motion what are constantly people complaining about motion sickness because here's the thing you're your image is telling your body it's moving and that's causing a cognitive dissonance where you're not actually moving. So I think that's playing into it. And especially the fact that I think it's really hard to focus on like a, like a, like a zero, fo uh, what's it like a horizon point with the VR. So that mm -hmm. also can lead to a disconnect. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. the technology is still very new and that's why it's very surprising to take one of the most anticipated comebacks of a franchise and not put it on a flat screen. I know. And, and this was not intentional at all when listening yeah. to developers. Now, what's interesting, like when you watch the the trailers, you can, uh, for our audience here, you can go watch it yourself. Uh, visually, it looks very good just uh, kind of on screen and whatnot. I was really digging it. What I, th I think, what I'm hoping maybe what will happen here is that there will be the, the VR version and that they'll maybe they'll release just a regular playable version. Please. Yeah, I, I, I know you're already kind of saying, no, that's not going to happen. Valve, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, 
please. And I, I'm sure we're not the only ones that are going to probably be begging for us. Just give us a regular freaking version of this too, please. It, it just tell, even if it's just as a teaser, that tease us for Half Life Three, which I know you guys are probably still working on. But do you like what um, they did with the Metal Gear Five series? Release that kind of that that teaser kind of first chapter, and then the rest later. Do something like that. Yeah, I'd be cool with that. Okay, I I I definitely can meet you halfway on that. I I'm gonna say a couple of things about that. Number one, I did watch the interview that Jeff Keighley did with the, uh, what was it? Uh, David Sprayer, Dario Kazali, Robin Walter, who worked on the original half-life games yep. at valve. This project started many, many years ago as just a way for them to experiment with VR mm-hmm. and they had something. And then they had to tie one of their IPs to this. Their original ideas were either going to be portal or Half-Life. Oh, and Portal, Portal yeah. just was not going to work. If you've played Portal, you would understand. That would be, you'd be throwing up in two seconds, just oh, yeah. jumping from <laughs> side to side. Yeah. So they started saying, okay, well, how can we get Half-Life to work with this? And then that's the thing. They, they never intended to make anything to do with Half-Life. It just, it just seemed the most uh, relevant. And, and let's get this right out of the way right now. This is not Half-Life 3. No. This is actually a prequel. This is set between Half-Life 1 and 2. Correct, yeah. On the timeline, right? So this is not Half-Life 3. The developers admitted, we are still terrified to this day of the concept of Half-Life 3, which <laughs> I would arguably say is probably the most overhyped vaporware ever. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you could even live up to expectations on that. So going yeah. to what you just said, Joe, maybe <laughs> this is a way to see... What the public interest is in in Half Life to this day, because it's been a long time, right? Yeah. You know, like it mean, is it as, is it still as relevant as it used to be? Yeah, I see, no, what, you, I see right? what you're getting at here. Yeah, but the other thing, Joe, is that this cannot. They said this cannot be done on a flat screen TV because if you notice from the trailer, there's a lot of very nuanced hand motions, like being able to peek yeah. through a door with a gun. And they said that to be able to translate to, to keyboard and mouse, you'd be taking up half of the geography of the keyboard where it would just be ridiculous and, and not even intuitive at that point. So yeah. I think you might be on to like a halfway point where they get the chance of potentially making the killer app that everybody's been waiting to see for VR but at the same time, yeah. let's gauge public interest. Is it worth going back to the drawing board for Half-Life 3? Yeah, because you had mentioned Vaporware, and I think the only other one that would kind of come close to that would have been what was and what eventually became Duke Nukem Forever. That would mm-hmm. probably be... I was going to ask you that, actually. Can you provide any examples of... Yeah, because, I mean, that was in development for... worked out? Yeah, because that was in development for, what, 25-plus years, or if not longer, where it bounced back and forth within, uh, within uh, 3D Realms and 2K until they, they finally spewed out. Uh, that's probably the best way I can kind of word it. Spewed out what they uh, eventually churned out there, and it was uh, just awful. And uh, so I wouldn't think that Valve would necessarily make that kind of mistake. So I think that this VR title, like you said, is, is a good way to kind of gauge interest in this franchise. And if there's good positive feedback, then... It's full throttle ahead with Fly 3. Yeah, like another great example would have been Last Guardian on the PS4, which was originally supposed to be one of those key titles for PS3. The guys who made Shadow of the Colossus, Nico, went into development hell. And I picked it up, and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good, but you can tell it it just gestated too long and may have been more relevant and appropriate to the previous generation where now mechanics have evolved a lot more, Mm -hmm. and it almost felt a little dated. And that's right. what I'm kind of worried about. And I think maybe that's what they were maybe potentially worried about with Half-Life. Come on. Like, we're talking about, I bought the orange box 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even it came out way before that on PC. So we're talking about a whole new generation that isn't part of that Half-Life craziness. So I, I don't know. We'll see. But the thing is, is that Half-Life 3, if it is going to exist, can I don't think it happened on VR at this point. Mm-hmm. They, they, they understand that it's still in its infancy. Um, I'm hoping that Alex, because I'll be honest, I'm actually interested for the first time in VR. I yep. want to see where this story goes next, but is it going to be in 10, 15 minute increments? Can I just play a level, yeah. put it down, or is it going to force me to sit there and play for hours, which I, I can't see myself getting into? Because there are a lot of games that got the, the Call of Duty franchise is notorious, where it's like a, just the, the way that the uh, the game is laid out. It's just like, go, 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 go. Like it just, it just, it, it, it kind of draws you in, and there's no real kind of breaks in there. It's just go forward, go forward, go forward. 
So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now you had mentioned machinery and uh, kind of evolving there, and I don't know if this is a great segue or not. We're oh, talking about segue, uh, the first human cyborg. Um, you kind of clued me into the story, and I'm still having problems uh, wrapping my head around this whole. Uh... This is not a National Enquirer headline. This is very, very real. See, this, that's uh, what. That, was... See, this is like the equivalent of uh, like me seeing something to do with wrestling, and I'm checking to see if it's done by the kayfabe news people, which is like basically wrestling's version of fake news, right? So I'm thinking, is this legit mike is this legit it's only as legit as it's going to turn out to be i mean this is this is an experiment right yeah. and, and it's based on a lot of faith in the limits of technology or maybe the limitless possible possibilities like this is a doctor by the name of dr peter scott morgan who's 61 he was diagnosed with a muscle wasting illness two mm. years ago and he's now taken steps to actually transform into a robot to extend his life but what kind of life is that? That's my question. Yeah. You know, there, there's a there's a huge discrepancy in my mind between metaphor, which can be very charming and very in, empowering. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'm going to live for a few more decades. But how are you living? See, that, that brings up a, a great debate, you know, when it comes to, to that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, like, say... And I know it's a delicate topic because, yeah, I mean, especially if it's a loved one or not, obviously you want to try and, you know, have them around for as long as possible. Let's say, like, theoretically something happens where somebody gets both arms and both legs amputated and they're just basically a torso with, that, with a head on their body. I mean, what quality of life do you have, right? Crank the brain. That's all I could think of when I was right. reading this. So it's just like, and I understand, you know, the, and of course we all want to live forever, but, uh, you know, I don't, it, it, I, I get this for people who are like single amputees uh, or if maybe, uh, you know, they lose part of their arm or something like that, uh, being able to replace it with a prosthetic limb and, and for advancements in that. But going beyond that to basically becoming a robot, we're getting, we're getting to sci-fi territory. And I think that uh, I'll be probably one of the few people that I want to just keep it in that sci-fi realm and, and not have it venture over into real life. Yeah, let's let's paint a picture. Let's actually like get into the details of what this guy's actually doing to show yeah. you whether this is something for you, like as a listener, if this is something you think would be a reasonable thing. So basically what he did, the most recent step, was, well, first of all, he's got this wheelchair that can either go upright, can be lying down, or can be sitting down. So he can be yeah. in multiple positions. But his final tweet, uh, which came out recently, this is my last post as Peter 1.0. He's going to become Peter 2.0, as this is a point as he calls it. Oh. Tomorrow I trade my voice, and this is interesting, for potentially decades of life as we contemplate the final medical procedure for my transition to full cyborg, the month that I was told statistically I would be dead. And then he says, I'm not dying, I'm transforming, oh, how I love science. So, yes, he did mm. get a laryngectomy where he got rid of his voice box and before he did that he recorded his voice into an ai system so that it can mimic him and we talked about this right yeah. with transhumanism the whole idea of merging with the ai yep. and quote unquote living forever but it's not really you and he's gonna have a colostomy bag because he's yep. gonna have to get rid of his bodily functions and essentially it's just gonna be basically a body bag that's sitting there kind of staring at you with a, an avatar on the screen that mimics your facial reactions because yeah. whenever he loses muscle control, he can still show you these technically smiling or technically frowning. And then yeah. when you hear the voice coming through the monitor, it does sound like a, a Siri or yeah. like an Alexa. And it's very artificial. It's missing emotion. It's missing nuance. It's, it's basically yeah. the AI taking a whole mm. bunch of strings of text reacting to certain context and it gives you the illusion that let's say I did this, the illusion you're talking to me, Joe, but you're also sitting at Krang the brain sitting in a wheelchair, just kind of, uh, just kind of <laughs> looking at you. Yeah. And to me, let's say that was my parent or my brother's sister. Yeah. I, that's creepy, man. I just, it's like, it's almost, I hate to sound like this, but it's almost better to go and remember how you were yeah. rather than to deal with this decoy. Well, you know, I'm just I'm getting visions of uh, I don't know how much of the show that you watched, but it reminded me of a Big Bang Theory when uh, when Sheldon uh, when he created what was called a mobile presence device, where he basically uh, he didn't want to go in public anymore, and then he made this thing, and then he even got to meet uh, Steve Wozniak uh, from Apple, and then he, Steve was like, "Hey, a nice mobile presence device. I wish you had your Apple computer. I would have signed it for you, you know." And uh, so, but uh, but when it comes to this stuff, you know, and I don't uh, want to swear too often on this podcast, but with the stuff that we're talking about, we're getting to some Terminator shit here, Mike. 
This is like, a, 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 and I'm a, a huge Terminator uh, movie franchise lover. I, lo- I love, you know, uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day is still one of my favorite movies. But like I said earlier on uh, during this topic here, I would rather keep this in the sci-fi realm and not see this crossover into our daily lives because, like you said, creepy as hell. Terminator 2 is a blueprint. It was a prophecy, man. So much yeah. of that stuff is coming true now. Like, yeah. come on, DARPA is already creating these automated machines. Uh, I just saw an article today, maybe we'll talk about this in a future episode, that yep. now they're using robot canines in police forces now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go on DARPA's website on YouTube, you can see giant mechanical bull-style creatures that you can put turrets onto on the battlefield. It's, it's, it's insane. And come on, what's the difference between Google and Skynet at this point? And 5G, really, there's nothing. Like we're, we're living out the Terminator fantasy right yeah. now. It's getting real close. Of course. Yeah. So um, are we going towards uh, technocracy or dystopia? Who knows? The one interesting thing about this is that um, he, <clears throat> this doctor will be able to uh, control certain mechanisms with his eyes. And then I can automatically see how this could somehow tie into augmented reality and also is maybe giving us a hint of what, VR, where VR is going to go, right? Think about it. What's the number one problem with VR? It's the the cognitive dissonance, the vision problems, the motion sickness. What if you could put like a contact lens on and a chip or some kind of drug Mm. that would mitigate motion sickness? I would almost say this is kind of a way of getting the public used to the fact that, hey, we can make this work in a medical sense. Now let's make this work in a gaming sense too. Hmm, Interesting, interesting. A little bit of theory there. Time, time, will, time will tell, and it's something that we'll continue to watch. And uh, as as things happen, we will definitely be talking about it. But again, Joe, my skepticism stands. The whole idea yep. of uh, merging with a machine and living forever, well, it's not actually you. It's no. just a carbon copy. No. And come on, even the guy, uh, what was it, uh, back in the 60s, it was uh, Dr. Licklider who uh, mm-hmm. basically helped invent the internet. He wrote that famous paper, Man, Computer, Symbiosis, back in March 1960. Mm-hmm. He argued even back then that machines can't mimic um, certain intellectual no. capabilities. They can o- they have their own intellectual strengths and they can work alongside humans, but they can't necessarily replace them, even though the technocrats would have you believe otherwise. And you know what? This actually kind of kind of blends nicely kind of into our tech tip of the week here is we're talking about digital assistance here, Mike. And yeah, you're uh, full of segways today. Oh, yeah, man. I, I've actually gotten pretty good with this. Uh, oh, yeah. So when it when it comes to, to this kind of stuff, before we get into the, the bulk of it, just uh, personally for ourselves here, when it comes to digital assistance, I will give everybody a tip. If you're about to record a podcast, especially if you own a Google Home device, as you probably heard on our first episode, hit the old mic mute button because you might inadvertently set off your own device now having said that that might not necessarily stop like when i say okay google right now anybody listening to this podcast their phone might go off and go yes can i help you so that's another thing with the, these key words uh with these assistants is that uh, i'm not sure if it's gotten better over time um but false triggering um people with their devices this is still something that's kind of an issue Let's get that uh, kind of out of the way first, right off the bat. Yeah, you're right. Actually, how, like uh, <clears throat> what I do is uh, it's my second job. I'm a courier, so yes. I use Google Maps quite extensively. Mm-hmm. And there's been many times where I'm listening to a podcast that references Google, and the the map hears it. The assistant yeah, yeah. comes on, yeah. screws up my whole yeah. pattern. So it's it's actually quite hilarious. And I've even on some days when I'm not feeling so great, they even start. I told you this before we started recording. Uh, if I'm not in the greatest mood, I might even get into a little dialogue with yeah. Google Assistant and starts. You know, whatever. Yeah. I won't. I won't start getting into that. Yeah. But it can get a little. Get a little. Uh, uh, a little abrasive. So we'll do kind of a head-to-head kind of comparison. Uh, I haven't had any uh, experience with Amazon's digital s- assistant Alexa, so I'll just kind of leave it off the table for now because I haven't had any experience with it. So I mean, at some point, maybe you know, when we become more popular, maybe some of these companies start sending us some devices to test and whatnot. Maybe then we'll uh, we'll look into it. But when it comes to Siri versus Google Assistant, the one big difference between the two, they essentially do the same kind of thing. But the, the, the key difference is when it comes to actually interacting it, uh, when it comes to conversational uh, stuff, uh, when you talk to the Google Assistant, you can say, you can start off and say, okay, Google, probably triggering your device right now. Um, when was the Skydome built in Toronto? And then you can say, you can follow up with a follow-up question and say, you know, who built it? Or when, when was the finish being built? Now, if you were to do the same kind of thing with Siri, you have to say, 
okay, Siri, um, when was the, the Sky Gnome built? And if you want to ask a follow-up question, you have to keep restating what it is that you're talking about. So it doesn't feel conversational. You feel basically like you're talking to somebody who has a bit of a learning disability. But no, you're not talking that. You're just you're talking to, to Siri. But you just have to, you have to kind of dumb things down uh, to talking to the technology. So there's always been a bit of a disconnect there when you're, when you're talking to Siri as opposed to the Google Assistant where you can just, you know, you have to say those occasional, those first keywords. But then after you get over that little hurdle, then you can just kind of talk to it and it'll kind of follow along with what uh, you're doing. Yeah, I'd say, um, yeah, I've only really a slight familiarity with Google Assistant. Uh, I'll be honest, like again, being the somewhat skeptic I am, I, ref- <laughs> I, I just personally refuse to put Google Home or Alexa in, into my house. I, mean, yep. I feel I've already given up enough privacy without having any more surveillance, but that's neither here nor there. We, yep. We've got these devices on our phones, whether we like them or not, but yep. um yeah, Siri, definitely, I'd say, uh, in terms of performance and discoverability, um, kind of legs a little bit behind Alexa and Very Google Assistant. So. I'd say Google Assistant overall is in the lead right now, being the new kid out of the, on the block. It's, it's definitely come a lot uh, further in a quicker span of time. But really, Siri, what, has been on the market, what, how many years now? Two years? They were, pro- se- they were probably the first one uh, to kind of get out of the gate. But, you know, Google has the, the advantage to where they, they have so much more money and, and resources and servers right. to kind of throw into this. And if you've watched any of uh, the Google I.O. presentations over the past few years, they, they, they keep just driving home and we're pushing Google Assistant to the point where we're going to even have basically your phone make a call for you without you knowing it. Like if whether you want to make a, an appointment and stuff like that, this is something I think you've talked about before on your, on your other podcast, Mike. And, uh, again, it's one of these things where it, it's the, the tech nerd in me was like, Oh, cool. And then the, the human being in me is like, that's not cool. <laughs> well, there was that one famous demonstration when, uh, Google's does, uh, talk about its voice AI yeah. and they did that one phone call where they actually faked a phone call to a hair salon and booked an appointment. Yep. That's just all too creepy, man. And yeah, yeah. you could just think about yeah. how that could be misused. And so especially in this age of deep fakes. Yeah. Oh, man. Like and, and you, yeah. of course, having your voice print all over the Internet uh, being recorded at all times. Yeah. If you're a person of interest, we've already seen this happening where politicians, major, major figures can have things manipulated and nobody be the wiser. Right. Yeah. So for myself, when it comes to these assistants, and, and I do use both because I, I do have an iPhone, so series on that platform, and of course uh, the, the Google Home here. So well, what I primarily kind of use it for is for making shopping lists, ma- uh, reminders about, uh, hey, today you're recording a podcast with Mike, you know, be ready, um, setting alarms uh, so I can get up in the morning and stuff like that. I, I keep it relatively simple. Um, you know, I don't get quite into as much as probably a lot of people do because it's still, uh, these assistants, as cool as they kind of are, sometimes it it feels like there's, this is kind of like extra stuff that you need to do. Whereas I I feel sometimes it's still faster for me to just open up, you know, my browser or Google whatever, and just type in what I want to find out about. Yeah. And it's still only just one way communication. So really it's just ask, answer, hope to get the right answer. Actually, if, if, if anybody wants to see kind of a cool video, uh, you can go on YouTube, look up a channel called Undecided with Matt Farrell. Mm-hmm. And he did a Siri versus Google versus Alexa, which is right for you. And he actually did some basic tests where in the first round he asks, what's the weather? What's 15 plus 5 minus 3? And how far is it to London? All the devices performed fairly equally. But then when, it, when he ramped up the difficulty and started asking okay, where was Donald Trump born? And who's the 45th president? Yeah. And um, all, what's the capital of Russia? Then I noticed Siri started to have a few issues. <laughs> but yeah. all, all of them did too. So it's, yeah. it's not it's not foolproof technology yet, but it's 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 something. We might start running into the situation where we're going to have like the 2001 Space Odyssey uh, type of thing. Does not compute how. You know, when, when you ask Sorry, it a question, I cannot do that. When, when you Dave. ask it a question that it doesn't approve of, or that's something that the, the people programming it don't want you to find out about, they're going to go, Sorry, we can't help you with that. So, hopefully, that's as far as it goes. My God. Hopefully that's as far as it goes. Okay, Mike, we're going to take a brief break and we're going to come back with our final bite segment. And I think this is going to be very interesting on this one. And all I will say before the break is two words sex robot. We'll be right back. This is Big Joe from Turnbuckle Talk here. And you're listening to HTM Tech right here on the HTM Podcast Network. 
All right, guys, Big Joe and Mike back here on HTM Tech. Time for our final bite segment here, Mike. And this one is, for lack of a better term, a doozy. Sex robots. Tell me a little bit more about this uh, to kind of start us off because uh, it's, uh, it's uh, as a, even as a, as a, just go ahead. <laughs> All right. So I, I, a recent article came out and robots, sex robots are nothing new. I've been following this since probably uh-huh. the early 2000s when I originally worked on a documentary about this stuff. And, and they've come quite a long way since then. They've become very lifelike. They've even got s- lifelike skin material, secretion ability. Like it's just getting uh, a little, little creepier by the day. But now male sex robots are starting to become a thing. So this was an article November 16th. Out of the Daily Star UK, male sex robots to replace men as <laughs> no. women leave loveless relationships to fulfill dreams. Oh yeah, you can see a little uh, bias left, a little bias there in that headline. Just it's almost bit, like yeah. they're they're cheerleading on the the negative birth rate, which is essentially what's happening, Joe. But anyway, yeah. so there is now a surge in women, according to this article, a surge in women and also gay men and even couples buying realistic well, male well, sex dolls okay, okay, from hold, sexdolls.com. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Couples are looking yes. at, at introducing a third uh, thing in there that isn't even... Oh. Wow. Yes, because there's... That's because very the, disturbing. What they were basically saying is that there are some women who are no longer satisfied by just having their regular male partner in the bed. They need to up the ante a little bit. So now they've got to start bringing this sex doll... So wow. how would you feel, Joe? It's like your girl's just sitting there, and she's just, like, hmm, here, here's, uh, here's this thing I brought you, home today. What do you think about that? You're, you're, you're totally emasculated by a, by a sex robot. That, that uh, wow. That, um, Especially if it can go longer than you can. Man, man. It's, you know, with, with this whole thing here, is there a, a scenario or a, a, a reason for this kind of... I would say that there's probably a very single-digit percentage of people out there that this is something that is probably beneficial for like maybe for somebody who just maybe has a tremendous amount of health problems and is obviously probably going to have a really difficult time meeting somebody. Could somebody like this maybe benefit for something like that? Maybe, but I mean, that's about as far as I'd be willing to go with this. Well, I mean, um, according to the, the makers at sexdolls.com, what they're saying <laughs> is that this is directed for people who are tired of dating. Uh, who are may have unfulfilling uh, sex lives, who may choose sex toys over traditional romance. Mm-hmm. And like I said, some females need that extra stimulation, according to sexdolls.com, which right. is why they go into these three ways with their partners. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to rant on this one because there's a lot of factors playing in this oh, show, man. like a lot of cultural factors, a lot of social factors. As well, I mentioned, yeah. in the West, there's a major um, crisis. Jesus. With with the birth rate now, right, where mm-hmm. where people in our generation now are either getting are getting married later and later and are choosing not to have kids. And if you want a good satirical example of this, did you ever see Idiocracy, the Mike Judge movie, Joe? Um, I think I may have seen parts of it. That's something. Okay, I'm, where, I'm where uh, Luke Wilson wakes up in the future and he's the smartest man on the planet because the oh, culture yeah, has yeah, become yeah, so yeah. dumbed down. Yeah. And at the beginning of the movie, before all this happens, they show your typical white liberal yuppie couple Mm -hmm. listing off all the reasons why they shouldn't have kids climate change overpopulation and this is real like i'm talking like people i hear people talk about this all the time and all the world's such a messed up place blah 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 whereas then they cut to um what's it like uh like uh, where, where all the where all the inbreeders are um in the states, you know what I'm talking about in the deep south or whatever. Down south, and you yeah. got you got like Zeke and his wife just popping out kids, and their kids are popping out kids. And then the whole joke is that eventually the the smart people stopped having kids, mm-hmm. but the dumb people just kept exploding. Eventually, they overtook the population, and that's that's a funny example. But at the same time. Okay, so in the West, in Japan especially, you have negative birth rates. In Germany, you have negative birth rates. Why are people not having sex? Well, lots of reasons. Number one, I would say feminism, especially third-wave radical feminism, played a huge role in this, especially the hashtag MeToo movement, mm-hmm. the whole incel movement among men, the like the whole uh, MG toe the, that I'm, I'm fed up with dating, so it's the whole men going their own way. It's like this this mental illness on both genders right now where where especially Hollywood 
the mainstream media are completely guilty of this. And I, I see you want to say something. Let me let me let you jump in here for a sec. The one thing that I've seen kind of regarding this, I don't know if this is something you've seen about, and it does revolve around one, one person that I heard mention this, and I don't know if it's more prevalent, and I'm sure it will be with time, given you know just what it is. Uh, Emma Watson, the actress. I don't know if you've seen about this. You know what she is? She isn't. Uh, she isn't a feminist. She isn't a woman. She isn't a man. She isn't. A, she is what is she refers to as self-partnered. I heard about this, Mike, and my head almost exploded. My head is exploding. What right are you now. even talking about? You're so like. And, and another one of my concerns with this, Mike, and I'm, I'm sure you're possibly going to get to it. I'm, I may be jumping over top of you here. Please. Just, this, the social factor. These people that have these sex robot, robots at home, and this is their interaction with this. And then how the hell are you going to go into public and interact with people after doing that? How are you going to have a normal <laughs> sex life again? Seriously. Yeah. Because, and I have heard this from women and, and I've, and also <sighs> from personal experience and all this kind of stuff, all these sex toys provide experiences that can't be replicated mm-hmm. by real partners. Right? So, on the women's side, when they get too accustomed to these wands, these sex dolls, you're, you're raising the bar to the point where is a man ever going to satisfy you again? And on the man's side, porn addiction, right? Dopamine hits constantly, right? You're constantly upping the ante. Uh, you're, you're getting into crazier and crazier porn and eventually, and you're constantly watching what young 20 year olds. So eventually a real woman might not satisfy you anymore. And that's leading to erectile dysfunction. So you've got this, perfect storm of events that are, are that are driving and again we're going from this from a heterosexual angle i'm not yeah. even speaking to but this could include lgbt oh, sure as well yeah. to some to some extent but i'm talking yeah. specifically from like the nuclear family angle we're not replacing the population as fast as it's dying out because there's too many factors culturally and socially that are driving men and women apart like for example the the, the man hating is 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 pungent in society right now toxic masculinity um, toxic masculinity yes. um i don't know if you remember gamergate which i was a major part of back in 2015 where Absolutely, i started yeah. getting into and this was the whole idea that video games uh weren't en- inclusive enough to women and there weren't enough female characters so yep. what was the reaction oh well we need to make every lead character woman and now hollywood's taking notes and so now all the lead characters are women. They're all action heroes. And how are men typically portrayed in sitcoms, in movies, in television? Inept, mm. stupid, um, less than females, inferior, um, very feminized, very useless. Okay. It's like the Mad Max, like the Mad mm-hmm. Max remake. I, I didn't see it, but I heard that basically the world went to shit because it was men's fault. Now women have got to fix the problem. Yeah. New star Wars, same thing. All the men make the mistakes. All the women have to fix it. You've got this indoctrination going over and over. Men mm. suck. Women are the best. Women mm. are, are all powerful. Men, women can replace men as action heroes, as sports stars. Whereas men can now wear wigs and become women in sports. It, it's, it's, um, yeah. everything is on its head right now where, men and women just they're they're not looking at each other as equals anymore mm-hmm. they're not having sex not making babies but guess who is joe all the migrants that are coming in are having five to six yeah. babies per family and i maybe i'm getting off on a tangent right now but can you see how maybe there's yep. like this purposeful demographic shift that sex robots are only going to exacerbate here yeah it's it's weird how the how this uh of this social topic is intersecting with uh, technology in this case with sex robots of all things. I mean, I, I honestly didn't see that coming. Um, it, it's something that I think is specifically with the sex robot thing. I think, I think it's still something relatively new, so it, it's not going to have a huge impact just yet, but when, if when, it, when, and if it becomes more prevalent, uh, I mean, we're going to have some socially awkward people out there, like even more so than what I've seen before, you know, where you, where you get the scenario of, uh, you see the um, when you go into the to the coffee shop and you, you see the the five or six teenagers sitting around the, the table and they're they're all texting and they're probably texting the ones that they're sitting right across from instead of having a meaningful vocal conversation with them and they're sitting two feet away from them we got a text and to the point where you, you hear some of these kids talk like when they actually have to actually speak it, it's like jibber jabber like they, they, they there's the the, the the communication skills. As cool as, as this technology has been to communicate with people, 
there's there's times where it feels like it's been a step backwards when it comes to communication because speaking just isn't becoming a thing anymore. And it, yes. it, it, it's horrible. <laughs> Absolutely. And just think about the whole idea of mating in general. How yeah. how already how backwards we've gotten in terms of um, like uh, there's a like some life coaches I pay attention to who pay attention to who talk about um, how to talk to women and all that stuff. Yeah. There's some that argue that only 3% of men actually understand how to talk to a woman and attract them. The rest of us are clueless because <laughs> we've paid way too much attention to movies, yep. TV, where what typically happens, Joe, guy chases girl, guy changes himself to get girl, guy chases after, calls her all the time, acts all sappy. Yep. That does not work in real life. That yep. is the ultimate turnoff to a girl, yep. to, to be just chasing and acting like, and be basically doing what the woman does, being all oversensitive and calling and all this kind of stuff. So take that 3% and maybe reduce that to 1% maybe once you start uh, having just that, um, that no... What's it? What's a no consequence relationship with a sex doll? You don't have to. You don't have to buy her dinner. You don't have oh, to man. say the right things. You don't have to act confident. You don't have to uh, turn her to make her fall in love with you with her ears, as they say, right? So, yeah. again, another thing that can ultimately lead to people being alone and not having sex, not making babies, and you know, and there will be other cultures that will fill in that void. Don't worry. Yeah, it, it's something that uh, it, it honestly terrifies me because, like, like I just said, you know, as cool as technology has, has become, um, commu- proper communication has been uh, definitely a, uh, a victim in this whole thing here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see that situation getting better. or getting, It's going to get better. Probably it's going to get worse before it gets better. But, you know, it's just it's a side effect of this stuff. And, uh, and what happens when one of these sex dolls maybe, like, malfunctions in the middle of sex and boy. this turns into, like, a basic instinct scenario? Yeah, I, I don't even want to think about that, too, <laughs> because it's not... It's like the jaws of life, literally, I'm right? not, like, not going to be testing out this theory, Mike. Let's just put it no, that way, okay? No, no, So, <laughs> I think that's... Uh, Weiss picks under your bed. I, I don't think that uh, we can, um, you know, talk much more about that. But, uh, I think that that's... That like, grip that she won't let go, it, and what do you do then, right? Yeah. I, th- I think uh, I think we're gonna wrap up that topic, and uh, the only kind of uh, there's not a whole lot of, of breaking news uh, going on. Uh, one thing that, that I just did kind of see, kind of uh, taking a look at the site from our friends at the Verge here, um, was dealing with more for artificial intelligence. Um, former Go champion, um, I think yeah, was it uh, Deep Mind, or I guess I guess one of those uh, artificial intelligences, I guess, is actually technically retired because they lost or something. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look more into that. Maybe we'll, we'll talk more about it next week. But uh, that could be an interesting topic. Uh, just dealing more with this uh, AI stuff. So yeah, and uh, you also uh, where you shared that article with me the other day about the 108 megapixel smartphone camera that's that, uh, hitting the market now. Uh, some of the pros and cons of that. Yeah, that that's crazy. There, that, that the whole idea of just that many megapixels. As I mentioned before, if you're somebody that knows really anything about photography, more megapixels doesn't necessarily make a uh, mean a better picture. Actually, a lot of times it can kind of distort uh, your, your picture. It's all about the uh, the quality of the lenses and in uh, just the atmosphere where you're taking the picture initially and uh, and whatnot. That that makes a better better picture and and now with the these devices doing a lot of processing and whatnot the more megapixels doesn't necessarily mean a better picture it almost becomes hyper real like i remember i was yeah, hearing somebody talk exactly. about they uh, went to a best buy and they were looking at an 8k because 8k tvs are now oh they're like 15 grand and he was looking yeah. at this thing running at i think 120 frames a second yeah. and the super resolution and he was getting sick yeah. and i it was weird when i was looking at the photos taken by this camera I was starting to get a little queasy too. I'm like, this is too real. This is beyond yeah. what I'm used to seeing. There's like a cognitive like disconnect yeah. here. I, and I and I think at that some point, Joe, we hit a we hit a we hit a wall. Yeah. There's not really much further we can go, unless maybe we augment ourselves to be able to handle this technology. Yeah. And that's that's a whole other yeah. ball of wax right there. You had mentioned the AK. Actually, you know what? Next week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about 4K stuff because I, I do. Uh, the, as, as we said here, we are gamers. I'm somebody that uh, I don't game quite as much as I used to, but uh, I do uh, do some gaming on a, on a 4K uh, platform. So we'll, we'll kind of get into that. You know, things you had mentioned, 8K. I, I think that's getting into the realm where the human eye can't even discern that high of a resolution. So to me, it, it's I'm all, I'm all for innovating and improving uh, that kind of stuff. But when it gets to the point where it's not even uh, a noticeable difference, then it, it's kind of pointless. But we'll get yeah, but, we'll, but we'll get into that uh, possibly on next week. All right, Mike, I think that's a good way to, to kind of wrap things up. But 
we're going to kind of uh, end these episodes kind of in a new way um, because on um, on Turnbuckle Talk, we used to kind of mix in some tech talk and stuff like that. And we used to end our, our episodes with a song. And I know that uh, on your other podcast, you'd like to play some music as well. So on these episodes, we're going to end off by playing some music now. And we'll kind of alternate back. So you're going to hear some music from uh, being picked by myself and by, by you, Mike, and kind of mix up. And you're going to hear some pretty cool stuff. So this week, we're going to end off with a, a band from down in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, these guys have been around for quite a while. So he's talking about Against Me. And the song is called Stop. So we're going to play that. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Take care, guys. Be good to one another.